Hi everyone, it's Sandy Cruz from Sandy K Nutrition, health and lifestyle queen. And I'm here to show you that balanced living works. This is especially for all you ladies over 40. We will cover a range of exciting topics with many special guests and I really look forward to this season. Bye for now. Hi everyone, welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me I have expert Lance Shuttler. We are going to talk all about neuroplasticity and neurogenesis. If you don't know what this is, you better keep listening because we are going to talk about some things that you can do to ensure your brain ages well. Now, I'm going to give you a little stat, and this is from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And the reason I'm going to give you this stat is because I hear this all the time as a nutritionist. Oh, I eat well. Oh, I don't need to take supplements. So first off, eating well is subjective. And you may think you're eating well, but are you? So here's a little stat for you. I actually picked this up because I am a full script practitioner, meaning I use a dispensary of only third-party tested, potency guaranteed supplements that are therapeutic grade for clients. And although I haven't seen clients in a little while because I'm focusing on my podcast, I still have access to this. And full script, if you ever want to know more about it, just send me a message and I can connect you to these therapeutic grade supplements. So back to this whole cognitive decline. So 12.5% of people will experience a medical event that is rate relating to their cognitive decline. 9.5% of these issues, medical events, let's say, could have been reduced or eliminated by taking certain supplements that help with brain health. So anyway, I just wanted to preempt this podcast with the fact that yes, supplements do help. But obviously, I'm going to also say We are not giving you any medical advice here. You need to see your own practitioner on what is right for you personally. So let's get to a few announcements. I have a private Facebook group that you can be a part of for free. All you have to do is search for me in Facebook, Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen Podcast, and asked to be part of this. And in this group, I go live usually about once a week, depending on timing. And I'm pretty active on there or trying to be. I also have a page, just Sandy K Nutrition. I am most active on Instagram at Sandy K Nutrition. I'm also on TikTok, on Twitter, and Pinterest, and anywhere else, YouTube at Sandy K Nutrition everywhere. So just search for me there. If you would rate, review, 
subscribe to my podcast. Mm. That would be greatly appreciated because this is how I continue to secure some amazing guests, amazing topics, and really things that just help you live your best life. If you have feedback or if you have guest ideas, definitely send me an email, sandy at sandyknutrition.ca. And I do have a sponsor, but I have space for one more sponsor. So if you'd like to talk business, send me an email and I will send you my media kit. And now let's cut on through to the interview with Lance Shuttler, all about the brain. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me, I have a special guest. His name is Lance Shuttler, and he is a health science graduate from the University of Iowa and the CEO and co-founder of Ascent Nutrition. Lance has vast experience and well-rounded perspectives in the nutraceutical industry. As you all know, I'm very passionate about high quality nutraceuticals. So he's also passionate about that and his passion for research, brain health, neurogenesis, nutrition, and biohacking led him to begin Ascent Nutrition. And they source rare and hard to find nutrients that can actually be felt by those using the product. And I'm going to emphasize that felt by those. I hear that often with people who go and they buy their stuff at Costco and they're like, I don't feel anything. So I love Lance's claim here that people actually feel the difference. And today we're going to talk specifically about neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. What do they mean? How do they relate? What's the difference between them? And what can we do as we age to improve our brain health? Because yes, it has all to do with the brain. So with that, I want to welcome you. So I'm so happy to have you here, Lance. Welcome. Thank you, Sandy. I'm also very happy to be here and I'm really looking forward to this. I know we're going to have a really exciting and interesting conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I always, always begin my podcast with finding out really why my guest um, got into this field. Why? Why the brain? What? What's so why are you so passionate about this? Yeah. So back about 14 years ago now, uh, I had a family member who I saw, you know, with my own eyes and, and the family around me, we saw this person rapidly deteriorate when they started using pharmaceuticals to try to treat depression. Okay. And, um, it wasn't, it was sort of like a roller coaster where it would help for a little bit and then it'd be a downswing and then, um, help a little bit more and then come back down. And then this person ended up taking his life and, you know, it was very, uh, uh, like a huge, huge change for me and, and my family. Uh, but certainly it's led to my growth and development as, as a man and as a human being and as, you know, a businessman to help people to, you know, really just reclaim their health and happiness. So that was really sort of the beginning of things for me to look deeper into the mind and what creates happiness, what creates health, um, how, how do 
certain nutrients impact neurotransmitter production or different, you know, neurophysiological processes in the body that contribute to health and outlook and mindset. So that really sort of uh, led me down the path. And then more specifically, you know, as I started learning more, started getting into the concept of neurogenesis. And that really was sparked by a movie uh, called Limitless. And, you know, the the main character in that, um, played by Bradley Cooper, people might remember, you know, the short story of it is he found this pill that he, when he consumed it, it allowed his whole brain basically to open up and he could start doing so many things that he wanted to do and he just became more active and alive and alert and focused and productive. And, you know, when I was watching that movie, I, I knew that it wasn't necessarily a pill that was going to do that, you know, overnight. But I knew that that concept of life and enrichment and enhancement is something that I wanted to really get into more and more because I was already doing it, but it was just like a huge motivation for me to get deeper into it. And so I found, you know, that was when I first found rhodiola rosea, an herb, lion's mane mushroom, um, and then a few other compounds that, you know, really support the brain. So that's sort of how I got into it. And I've just taken it to new levels of understanding and learning new things so that I can improve my life, but also then take that and help improve others as well. Yeah, I think, well, first off, I'm really sorry that, you know, such a sad story had to lead you to what you do now. But often it's our stories and our traumas that lead us to that passion right? We were just, we were just talking about that just before this. And, you know, it is unfortunate, but often that is almost like a guide to where you need to go in your life if you listen to it. So it's interesting that you mentioned that in terms of depression, because I've actually worked with clients as well. And the one thing I know as a holistic health practitioner is that often there are pharmaceuticals that deplete these really critical and important nutrients for our brain, right? I mean, we're not physicians here, but, you know, you can you can find this out. Actually, probably not from the pharmaceutical companies, but maybe. <laughs> but from others, you and your own research, you can find out that many of these pharmaceuticals do deplete um, important nutrients. So, you know, you brought up a few very, I think, important topics, but I think we need to define what we're talking about as it relates to neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, because we're not really here to talk about depression, but really just these two factors. So tell me what the difference is, what they mean so that everybody knows. Yeah. Okay. So neurogenesis, if you just break down the word neuro nerves, neuron, uh, and genesis to creation. So the creation of new neurons, and then also the process of repairing damaged neurons. So it's strengthening the uh, neuronal connections between the synapses and the axons, uh, ensuring that the myelin sheath is strong and healthy and conveying its insulating properties. So neurogenesis is just like the actual process of creating new neurons or repairing damaged ones. Neuroplasticity is a, um, it's also a process, but neurogenesis is contained within neuroplasticity. So neuroplasticity is how the brain changes throughout 
say, a certain set of period of time or throughout a lifespan. So neurogenesis is a process that happens within neuroplasticity, whereas you can think of like neurogenesis very very specific and focused to a certain part of the brain or to a just, you know, between two neurons, whereas neuroplasticity is a larger picture. How is the brain and all these connections, not just some of them, how are they changing and shifting throughout a person's lifespan or throughout a set period of time? Okay, so why why does this change as we age? What exactly happens? So, you know, everything, as we know in the body, is always, it's a, it's a continual cycle. You know, cells are growing, cells are dying. And how we define age from a, let's say, like a biological perspective, you know, we can measure these in different ways, but it's really... How, how are the cells living and are they, are they continuing to grow in the ways that they are? Are they continuing, are they, do they die off the way that they should? Because we know, you know, unchecked replication leads to things that aren't beneficial. But at the same time, just that continual process of growing and dying off. So that's just part of aging. But we can control that because of what we think, what we put in our body in terms of food, frequencies can actually do it. Um, you know, a lot of things. So I'll, I'll kind of go deeper into that. How these things are impacting us as we age, if we're continually under free radical stress, so if we're, let's say, one example is um, a lot of exposure to certain pollutants, okay? So heavy metals, as an example. That's certainly going to create a lot of free radicals, which then creates cellular damage, and it leads to a shorter lifespan within the cell. Something that we know that now for sure happens throughout a person's lifespan is the process of neurogenesis. There was sort of this debate back and forth some decades ago, but now it's been clearly established that this takes place. And what this means is that even though we age and certain processes might slow down to a lot of different factors or because of a lot of factors, we can still control and we still have control over to some degrees neurogenesis and the rate of neurogenesis. And there's a lot of different things that we do for that, you know, diet, lifestyle, exercise, mindset, and we'll get into some of those things. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that's sort of how all these different factors are impacting neurogenesis. And, you know, one thing that's not really talked about enough, but should be and, and will continue to be, is the role that electromagnetic fields play in neurotransmission and how it affects neurotransmission because you know our brains and nervous system it's all electrical and if we're being inundated with non-natural frequencies it 100 disrupts it can disrupt uh just basic physiological functioning and we know that you know if you're sleeping with a phone next to your head you're really doing a lot of radiation damage to your brain and your body, and it will create a massive amount of free radicals, which then, again, accelerates that aging process. So, you know, those sorts of things tie into it. Okay, let's let's define free radicals because it's just, you know, free radicals and oxidative stress and oxidative damage – these terms are always thrown around. And I remember taking this in school back in college uh, on what it actually 
means in the body. So do you have a way that you can really describe what this means in a simple form so everyone gets? I want everyone by the end of this podcast to know exactly what free radical damage does and what it means. Yes. So, okay, let's take oxygen as an example. Okay. Uh, uh, O2, okay? And when oxygen um, is unpaired, it can create what we call this free radical. So it's O1 as an example. And what that compound is unstable. So it's, and it need, it's seeking stability. So it's seeking out uh, an antioxidant to scavenge that free radical or to neutralize it, to bring it back into harmony or balance. When it's a free radical and it's, it's not paired, not balanced, then we know that free radicals actually induce damage to the DNA. And so when DNA starts unwinding or, you know, unzipping or even just like basic um, damage to it on a service level, it will impact it. And these free radicals do it. And so it's constantly the amount of free radicals we are generating is constantly interacting with our DNA. And so it's sort of, I mean, it really is this thing of we aren't set with our DNA. Yes. Hereditary things are real and happen hundred percent. Yeah. And, and at the same time, there are things that we can do epigenetically on top of our genetics to impact how our genes are being expressed. And, you know, limiting the amount of free radical damage is one way to do that. Yeah, I I actually love because I like the I'm a very visual person. So I like to picture this crazy wild child as that cell just bumping around in your body without somebody to calm it down. Right. I always like to picture it in that way. And it's doing damage because it hasn't got that somebody to calm it down. Does that make sense? Definitely. definitely. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So free radical damage. Now everybody knows that what that is and what that does is it causes oxidative stress and oxidative damage in the body. Right. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So we got, so that's a major cause of that. I guess that dysfunction that starts or can start to happen. As we age, we have too much free radical damage and oxidative stress in the body and nothing to tamper that and calm it down. So it just, it's a process that keeps happening and causes damage and it affects our brains and our overall health. Exactly. And you know, that all the oxidative damage is ultimately at the end of the day, not just changing the DNA, but it's promoting inflammation. And as we know, inflammation within cells, that leads, that's like the root of, you know, maybe all, I mean, we, I know some people say all, maybe all or or most chronic conditions. And, you know, if we can keep the inflammation in balance, then we're doing a lot of things because we are going to neutralize free radical damage by checking our inflammation. Um, But it happens because we're scavenging the free radicals. So it's sort of like that's the first step. And then the byproduct is a healthy inflammatory response or less inflammation. Right. So let's, let's talk about some of the things that we can do first. Oh, actually let's talk about why, what are some things that are habits 
that can cause that free radical damage to really accelerate. Let's, let's start with that. Some, you know, I know obviously smoking, right? Toxins. You mentioned heavy metals. I actually just got, um, my heavy metals tested. And, uh, so I'm looking all right. I'm looking all right, Lance. So, you know, what else is there that causes this free radical damage? Um, you know, I want to bring up again just a little bit on the EMFs because it really oh, yeah. is a huge and important topic that just it needs to get out there more that, you know, something people can do very easily and you will literally limit the amount of free radicals you're producing every single day, which is if you can turn your router off or unplug it at night and, and don't sleep with your phone next to you. If you can put on airplane mode, keep it outside of your bedroom because you're literally just inundating your body with that radiation that, you know, if you're sleeping, we don't need the internet. You don't need it on. Um, you're just creating excessive inflammation and free radical damage that doesn't need to be there. So I, that's literally one of the first things that I tell people is you'll sleep better and you're going to be helping yourself short-term and long-term, like more than most people even know. So, you know, that's one thing. Um, Ensuring that, uh, ensuring that you know the water one's consuming is mm-hmm. as clean as possible. I mean, obviously, it's even just uh, a blessing to have, you know, what we call clean water here in the U.S. Though there's certainly different standards to what clean means, and getting the cleanest water one can that's always priority because we know there's so many pesticides, there's so many pharmaceuticals heavy metals in tap water that, I mean, you just really don't, for the most part, depends where you're at, but for the most part, you don't want to be consuming that. Um, You know what? Actually, I'm going to stop you right there because it's so funny. You know, my husband will say to me, he'll be like, well, you know, well, if, if the government says it's okay and it goes through the, the standard process of, you know, whatever water purification plant, then it's fine to drink. So I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. You know, like I, this isn't a discussion on the government or anything, but, you know, if that were the case, then all the garbage foods that many people consume would be stopped, right? So I think there's there's definitely a very, very low threshold for these toxins that come through our tap water. Would you agree with that? Yeah. 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 Sorry. I had to interrupt you on that because I hear that all the time. Well, you know, I'm sure that somebody would step in and say that it's not safe. I'm like, yeah, maybe if it got to a point where it was dangerous and it was going to hurt many people all at once, maybe. But anyway, I just had to throw that in there. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, psychological stressors or emotional stress certainly leads to physical stress and creates these free radicals. So doing things that we can do to counter that, you know, prayer, meditation, breathing exercises, uh, exercise itself, um, just doing things that can calm the nervous system to where we're not in a reactive place, but more of in control and uh, knowing that we are we are conscious sovereign creators. Absolutely. I mean, I think that having some sort of way in which we can 
mitigate the effects of stress because we can't necessarily take away life stressors. As I was just saying to you, you know, having a teenager at home and, you know, that in itself is a stressor for any parent who has any kids at all or, you know, even dogs or anything that causes any kind of stress. So we need to learn how to mitigate these effects so that it doesn't do damage. And I know you're going to talk about this, so I'm not going to spoil it on some of the things, um, you know, like adaptogenic herbs that can help with that. But Anything else, anything else, you know, other than environment, EMFs, um, what did we say, um, toxins in our food? Right, right. The pesticides is a huge issue. Yeah. Um, you know, there's like the most, the second most consumed beverage in the world is coffee and 97% of coffee beans are sprayed with pesticides. Yeah. And there's at least 42 different ones that they spray, not, not necessarily in every single crop, but there's at least 42 that are sprayed throughout the world. And, you know, if you're inundating yourself with pesticide-laden coffee or any beverage, any food, it is going to impact your cells for sure. It's just a matter of, of to what extent and what are you doing otherwise in your life to counter those effects and to, to stimulate detoxification so that your body can get rid of those things as much as they can. Yeah, we can get into some of that too. But, you know, you're talking about exercise and stress. And you know what's really interesting? I remember I read this study about people who are marathon runners or avid joggers or people who, you know, really tip that scale in terms of their um, physical activity. They have some of the most oxidative damage in their bodies. Did you ever read that study? Um, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I'm, that's why I'm always like, okay, balance. You know, I, I do work out. I do walk every day. I do do all of the things that you're supposed to do. But I also feel you can definitely tip that scale over to the other side where it's just too much. Yeah, absolutely. And even with food, you know, seeing somebody who I always say, follow the 80-20 rule. Don't stress out about going out for dinner once in a blue moon or having one cup of coffee. And of course, try and drink clean coffee if you can. But if you go for so I just want to make sure that I stress that because doing being meticulous about all of these things and all of these habits, they can actually cause stress. Exactly. Exactly. Because if you try to micromanage, then it's like you're <laughs> you're creating literally systems that aren't helping you with what you want as an overall system. Right. And and in the end, you just become neurotic about everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So um, I, I think that's pretty much it. And obviously, alcohol, you know, I am I am definitely not going to say I never drink. I drink only, actually, on special occasions, alcohol. Um, but a lot of alcohol can do a lot of damage to the brain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another neurotoxin, uh, dehydrating. You know, our brain needs water, clearly. Um, I'm in the same boat with you. I, I haven't actually consumed, other than kombucha, uh, you know, the micro amounts in it, but 
I haven't consumed it for many years. And I feel like for me, it's been a, a big, a big step in my process to just being happier and healthier overall and saving a lot of time and money and anxiety and stress and, you know, the things that go with it. Now, of course, there's wonderful things that do come with it, but um, it really, you have to be very conscious of what you're doing if you're using that. Uh, that's a very powerful substance, as we know, and I think it goes beyond just the physical in what it can do. And, you know, if we're using it intentionally like you are in beautiful occasions, I think it can actually be a very wonderful thing. Yeah, for me, it's definitely, I am not a, a regular drinker, but, you know, there's some people who can't really do that, you know, right. in terms of just drinking on special occasions and then that leaks into, you know, every night at dinner. And then, you know, so for me, I know that for it's it's just when I go out on special occasions. So, you know, it was Labor Day weekend not long ago. So, yes, I had a few drinks, but, um, you know, yeah, yeah. that's it. It's it's called balance. So, exactly. um, you know, and of course, I I always refer back to this one study about um, this family. And you probably I think it was was it a Swedish study? Maybe it was a family that ate organic for a certain period of time and they tested their urine for pesticides and all of the garbage that's in a lot of our daily food. And then they tested after eating organic. I think it was after a couple months and they, it was shocking, you know, shocking. So I always say food is medicine and that is really one place that everyone can start just by eating cleaner. Exactly. I, I know the, the study in the video that you're talking about. Yeah. I remember when that came out Yeah. and like it went completely viral on social media. And, you know, some people, the, the people who didn't want to hear it on the pesticides, they had their comments, but, you know, I think for the most part that certainly contributed to a mass awakening for people. Cause it was like very clear that, all right, this, I mean, it, it was undeniable is making a huge difference in the levels of pesticides they had in them. Yes, yes, yes. And the fact that it's just not natural in the body, right? So, so let's, let's get into some of the things that we can do to offset this, because just like we were saying, not everything is controllable. And, you know, being completely neurotic about all these things isn't going to help us. So, you know, let's talk about some of the solutions. Yeah, so, you know, there's this concept called the neurogenic theory of depression. And, you know, we're not going to talk about depression, but it's important to, to define what this is so we can look at the opposite end of it, yeah. which is cultivate, cultivating happiness. So the neurogenic theory of depression essentially just states that depression and happiness is contingent upon not not solely, but it's it's part of it. Where uh, how well are our neurons formed? How well are they connected to others? And what what is the plastic state of them? How how plastic are they? How flexible and agile are they in one set of time circumstances, and then also throughout the lifetime? You know what this means in short is what are we doing? What are we doing to cultivate uh, excitement? cultivate curiosity what new things are we learning what new things are we doing what habits do we have that serve us or don't serve us and how does that all interplay together to create 
this process of neurogenesis. And so essentially what it's stating is that the more neurogenic or the more neurogenesis that's happening within the body and the brain, the happier a person can be. And I think, again, that's, that's like the physical or one of the physical expressions of happiness. It's not that neurogenesis itself makes you happy, but it's part of that process. So, you know, what are things people can do? Um, literally endless. And this is something that I'm really passionate about is even for my life, thinking about new things that I can do to stimulate my brain and nervous system. So like one thing that I'll do is, you know, I'll do a lot of writing in the morning. So Mm -hmm. I'm using my physical hand because that's connecting different parts of the brain and the nervous system. It's very simple, but it actually is doing that for us. Reading things that are uplifting and encouraging and motivating, inspiring, Um, spending time with friends or family, social connections is such a huge, huge part of neurogenesis. And there's so many studies showing how people who are more lonely are, you know, definitely going to be more depressed. And like, you know, that's just basic common knowledge, but like it really, there is good science showing that too. Um, doing things that create, um, challenge. So, you know, we need stress in some ways, obviously in in amounts that we can handle and deal with uh, in healthy ways, but we need challenges. We need to feel like we have a purpose that we're overcoming something that we're, you know, here for a bigger reason. Um, And then of course, exercise itself stimulates neurogenesis, getting blood flow. There's different proteins that are, um, can be produced or different genes that can be activated. And then um, just even the process of, or the the concept of different foods and herbs and mushrooms that stimulate neurogenesis and that whole process. So it's a combination of a lot of different things. But one thing that I do is I, I'll take, so I like playing football on the beach and I'll play catch with my friends. It's a good way for me to stay active. Uh, it's a good way for me to have fun. You know, we know that if someone's learning something and they're doing it with fun and excitement, they're going to cement those pathways in so much quicker than if they're doing it with struggle and resentment and things like that. So, you know, exercising and incorporating fun and excitement into exercise or into, you know, something you're learning is a great way to do it. It's challenging the brain in a new way and also letting it like literally like breathe and be free and happy. You know, mm-hmm. we know when we're just like carefree and, and playing, like we're not thinking about anything. We're in the flow state. And that's when a lot of learning can happen and a lot of neurogenesis. So one thing that I'm doing with playing catch is I'm intentionally trying to train myself to catch one handed. And, and I mean, I can do it, but I'm really trying to like get very good at it. And so I have bought in these uh, little like hand pliers, so to speak, to strengthen my hand. Yeah. Back. Yeah. And, and I do that in the morning, but not just for playing catch. Like I don't really at the end of the day care about, you know, making a one handed catch. It's more about strengthening my nervous system because, you know, when we're doing that and gripping heavy, strong things, we're training the brain and the nervous system. Hey, I need to be stronger. So I'm going to start expressing in this, these ways genetically in stronger ways. Oh, I love that. And yeah, that's so Really what you're saying is do something that you're exercising that muscle 
all the time. Not necessarily muscle as in physical muscle, the neuro, I'm going to call it the neurogenesis muscle. Exactly. (laughs) Right. So I love that. And, you know, you mentioned having community closeness. This is why so many people suffered during COVID, right? We're not meant to be living in isolation. Right. So, and, and that goes for young and old. I saw it with teenagers. I saw it with my parents who are elderly. You know, I saw how much damage that can actually do. Now, you know, you do say that it promotes happiness. What about resiliency as well? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's like the same nerve. We want to develop nerves of steel. And I think that there really is something to that, that when we strengthen our nervous system, through all sorts of ways, we really do become more resilient. Like we can feel that we can take more on and we can, you know, really deal with things that are more stressful or process them in healthier ways. Yeah, I think so. Because also as you get older, you tend to have to deal with more of these issues, including grief, you know, as people pass on and, you know, all kinds of things. So, it's just a timely topic. We're actually going to be talking about grief and um, trauma in, in clubhouse. So that's why it's definitely top of mind and how to build resiliency and not stay in that state for a long period of time of sadness, depression. I mean, we all have to go through it, but how can we, we can't, we just want to be more resilient, not saying you're not going to feel it. It's just that, you have to be able to get yourself out of it. Exactly. So, you know, I like those solutions, but, you know, we, I feel like as we get older, we need a little bit of help. We need more than just the food, more than just the physical. Does that make sense to you? Because I know I take some really powerful adaptogenic herbs that I've been taking for a while. What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, one one that I really love is the lion's mane mushroom. That was really one of the first compounds that I came across when I started learning about biohacking and neurohacking and neurogenesis and just optimizing the mind because of what it's doing. So there's a couple compounds in lion's mane naturally, hericinones and aranacines that will cross the blood-brain barrier and then stimulate the production of nerve growth factor, NGF, or and also uh, BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And that's been labeled as miracle grow for the brain. Now, you know, I'm not saying that's literally what it's doing, but it does help the brain to create new neurons and strengthen those synapses and connections. And so if there's things that we can do to upregulate the production of those two proteins, that's very beneficial. And we know that that happens with lion's mane, rhodiola, ashwagandha, bacopa. Um, I mean, so many endless amounts of herbs that can do that. It just sort of depends what fits best for a person and what what are they actually feeling but something that i know that a lot of people feel is those mushrooms the the lion's mane mushroom is very powerful um that's something that i use and i really suggest it to a lot of people the uh rhodiola and ashwagandha i also suggest to people because those are very powerful adaptogens i've experienced benefits from them for literally years 
So I know that they work. I've helped and suggested it to a lot of people who also feel the effects from them. So, you know, that's, those are some herbs and compounds that I feel like really are beneficial, particularly for people who, um, you know, are starting to feel like they want a little bit more support. Yeah, I actually put my parents who are 76 and 85 on lion's mane. And uh, I, you know, they're both, they both live in their own house. They both, my dad rides his bike from his house to mine, which is what, two and a half miles. I'm I'm kilometers. So maybe five, I don't know, but uh, I'm Canadian. So, you know, we say kilometers. Anyway, he's still in great shape. They both are mentally really, really well. And lion's mane is a big one. So the other one, the other one I put them on was magnesium L3 and 8. What do you think of that one? Because that one definitely breaks the the blood brain barrier, right? Definitely. Um, yeah, the, the magtine, that's a very powerful substance. Yes. And I've taken it and suggested it. I know it was developed by a scientist at MIT, I believe. And they've got some pretty good studies, well, really good studies showing what it's doing, that it's actually increasing the magnesium levels in the brain. So that's very, very cool. That always did well um, in terms of when I would suggest it for people and myself when I would take it. Yeah. There's so many amazing compounds out there. You can only take so many. So it's like coming on and off things. But yeah. I know. You know, and, and a lot of times I also say pulse things in and out. You know, you can pulse them. So my husband, he used to play football. And anyway, he's had many concussions. And so I give him that form of magnesium. And I've read studies about that form of magnesium post-concussion can help you recover quicker after. Amazing. Yeah. So I, I love that. Now, can you tell me what nootropics are? Because... It seems to be this word that is used and, you know, I know it's supposed to help with the brain, but there really is no consistency to what nootropics are. Like you see them from so many different companies. Some have caffeine in them, some don't, some have, you know, like stimulants. Like what are your thoughts on nootropics? So, um, you know, the nootropics, I really believe, like, there's been a huge shift in the industry, you know, and, like, how we actually classify them. The, the way that I know it was originally established was, I believe, from some different Russian research that was going on and how it's impacting the brain. And they're basically just looking to optimize the brain and take it to new levels of performance. So the way I classify it is just substances, whether it's natural or non-natural, that elevate the performance of the brain. Um, and I've always really sort of stayed on the side of the natural ones. I have taken other ones like paracetam and anaracetam and some of those others, but I, I didn't really ever feel the benefits from them. Um, so, you know, I think that sort of class of compounds or how we define them really is loose and flexible, but what I view it really as is just compounds or herbs or nutrients that are upregulating the production of the, in the brain in terms of what our performance is. So is it making us perform better, quicker, uh, recalling faster, speaking more efficiently, things like that. Are they, but they're also kind of temporary, right? Like they don't actually 
change the brain. It's like a temporary fix. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's, I think, multiple parts to it. So the first part is just that it's not going to change the brain in the instant right there. Now, if certain nootropics are upregulating, let's say NGF or BDNF or other compounds that are inducing neurogenesis, then that can play a role, of course, in neuroplasticity, and that is changing the brain. But as you're saying it, yeah, it's not meant to be something that's, you know, changing the brain instantly, but really just helping, helping us to perform instantly or in a set period of time. And what about phospholipids? Because I know I take phosphatidylserine certain times of the month when I feel more stressy. Um, it helps me sleep better, sleep deeper. Um, what are your thoughts on phospholipids? First, maybe explain what they are and why it's important. Yeah, so they're fatty substances that are in the cell membranes of every cell. Some cells, they're more concentrated than others, but in general, they're in all the cells. And they help to keep uh, toxins out. That's part of it. But then they're also helping in neurotransmission and literally like electrical conductivity and communication between the nucleus of the cells and, you know, the, the surrounding environment. So the phospholipids, we need them. We need to get them in the diet. And they're particularly loaded in the brain and nervous system because there is so much neurotransmission happening that when we have enough of it, it does help with our stress levels and does help us sleep and it does help us perform better cognitively. And we're, when we're lacking, we can lack okay. in, in all of that. What foods would we find them in? Um, so the two best sources that I can list are the eggs um, and then I know that you can also get some of these phospholipids from uh, sunflower lecithin. Now, it yes. sort of depends yeah. how it's processed, things like that. But the sunflower lecithin and, and eggs. Um, and then, you know, there's different marine sources for different fatty acids that kind of tie into the phospholipids as well. Yeah, and eggs in their whole form. Yes. Not egg whites. Right? Exactly. exactly. I always because say that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Let's talk about DHA because this is this. I thought I'd save this more closer to the end of the 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 supplement discussion because it gets so confusing for so many people. Um, you know, there's EPA, DHA, there's omega threes. The the there's there's sources like krill oil versus regular omegas. There's um, the fact that we need to be concerned about rancid. Like if they're rancid, they could go rancid. Like there's so many things about DHA. The you know the DHA and EPA we know them as omega threes and. We know them as essential omega-3 fatty acids. So that means we have to get them in a diet. And what these fatty acids do, like the phospholipids, they're in the cellular membranes of every cell. But DHA in particular is loaded in the eyes, the neurons of the brain and nervous system, um, the, the mitochondria actually as well, because there's mitochondria cardiolipin, um, and, 
and sperm too. So it's very concentrated in different parts of the body, but in all cells. Like we need DHA in these cells. And their general role is to develop the brain and nervous system and facilitate the movement of electricity throughout the body. And actually going a little bit deeper with it, with the eyes, the DHA, because it's loaded in the retina and the cones of the eyes, um, it's actually facilitating the movement of light and not just electricity because the photons from the sun will hit that DHA and that DHA, because of the, the structure of it, literally converts it from a photonic light energy photon to an electrical signal that then the brain reads from the eyes. And so it's a, it's a quantum process actually happening in the eyes and in the brain of energy to something uh, that will eventually be physical, you know, energy to electricity and the electricity is creating, you know, these physical mechanisms throughout the body. But DHA we know it's great for IQ levels in children, like mm-hmm. pregnant and nursing mothers especially need to get these omega-3 fatty acids. But just as, as it's important for a developing baby, it really is just as important for a 95-year-old grandmother. Now, of course, the baby especially needs it, especially needs it during those first few years. But the point is, it's essential and we humans all share the need to get it in the diet. So, you know, these things impact us in different ways, inflammation, brain health, uh, cardiovascular health, insulin levels, um, or insulin sensitivity rather. Um, and you know, several other mechanisms that just, it's really endless what these omega threes do because they're so profound in the body that they're turning on and off large amounts of different genes based on the amount of the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6. Yes. Are we less inflamed or more inflamed? Right. You know, and and I've always, ever since my kids were really young, I have always given them an omega-3 supplement. Only, you know, parents will ask me, they'll be like, well, what are some of the things that are like must-have supplements? And that is is one of them. And that was, that's been the fact for many, many years, but how do we, okay, we know we get it from fish and seafood. What other food sources do we get? I know we can get omega-6s from all kinds of garbage foods. Like we can get them from French fries and stuff like that. But so the ratio is what's really important here, right? So maybe talk to that. And what foods can we get more omega-3s other than fish and seafood? Yeah. Okay. So like you said, Sandy, the the ratio is very important. And it's a lot of the processed seed oils and a lot of processed junk oils that are loaded in the sixes. And sixes are important. We actually have to have them in the in the body too. We we need them, literally. But we can't have an overconsumption of them. And what happens is basically, if you think about your ratio, um, if it's more, much more to the omega-6, that's pro-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're literally burning the fire in the body and, and in the cells. And when you get a more balanced ratio of, by consuming more omega-3s, you lessen that inflammation, you lessen the, the negative expression of genes. But how do we get more of it in the diet? So the seafood... And salmon in particular, salmon and oysters are the best sources for that. But 
those are actually just secondhand sources in terms of the food chain in nature. So the fish will actually eat the algae. So the, the algae is actually the pure original source of these different omegas. The fish then come along, or the, the seafood consumes them, and then we as humans will take that in and get those omega-3s. So a lot of people will take it through fish oils because that's you know a way to get a lot of these omegas. Yeah. But again, you don't have to do it you can do it with fish oil. You can do it with algae oil too. And so, you know, that's, that's sort of the different ways that you can get it into the diet. Okay. And is there a, a really good test that people can do to find out their ratio? Cause I know of one, um, I don't know if you know of any others. Like I know there's a, a company in the U S that does that testing through blood spot. Do you know anything? about these uh so if that's the omega quant yeah the one, yeah, yeah 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 i think that's the best one i think okay. that's the international standard okay um, that's the one that i suggest to people oh good um, good yeah and i've bought in that one before too so um that's what i suggest okay and you can actually get a good a good look at what are your levels so like just so people know if they if they're looking Around 4% is what the average American and average Western diet is producing for people. Right. But that's like 4% and below, and you're literally massively increasing your chances of, um, let's just say, all-cause mortality or dying younger than if you're above that. And ideally, what you want to be at is 8 to 12%. And they've done this so many times with fish oils and algae oils on so many different humans showing that if you consume 1000 to 2000 milligrams of these omega threes per day over a period of anywhere from three to six months, studies have shown you can raise your levels to, you know, around 8% or even greater just by taking that in every day. So it's something where it takes a little bit of time, but it's very easily measurable you have a defined set target goal of where you want to be at. You can do it very confidently with by, or by with numbers of consuming certain amounts that studies have shown regularly that have actually improved people's levels. So, you know, there's a whole protocol in place and a whole mechanism that people can just very easily follow to actually impact their body and their brain and their entire life, like pretty immensely. Yeah, no, I, you know, like I said, I'm a big fan. Now, one of the things that we'll, we'll talk about quality in a minute, but one of the things that I recommend to clients too, because there's so many different supplements out there. Some will have higher EPA, some will have higher DHA, and it kind of fluctuates. So I'll even say to clients, it's okay to rotate what you're taking just so that sometimes you're going to get a little more DHA, sometimes you're going to get a little more EPA, but as long as it's from a really reputable source, because that's a huge factor. Do you want to talk about quality? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks, Sandy. So, you know, like we were talking beforehand, we offer, this is the company I own, Ascent Nutrition, we offer a product and this is something where I've been so fascinated with what DHA and these omegas are doing on a brain and nervous system level that I wanted to create a product that was really going to stand out in different ways and something that I could bring out and talk about 
you know, so like I said before this, with this product, like we aren't talking about this to sell it. We're offering this to the world so that we can talk about it because I want to bring this information out to help more people. And, you know, with the, the fish oil and the fish oil industry, there's certainly, as we both know, many, uh, many wonderful products. And there's also many products that are just tainted and like you don't ever want to consume them. So what we want to do is just go to the source, go to the algae and just not even deal with the, the, the industry of the fish oil processing. Okay. Not that, yeah, not that we, and this isn't even like a, you know, meat versus non meat statement from me or my company, but just simply what's most efficient. Most efficient is just going to the source. Yeah. And what we can do is we water extract it. So we're not using hexane or CO2. And when we water extract it, Sandy, we keep the natural, the natural ratios of DHA to EPA intact. This is like a little secret within fish oil industries that, and even algae oil, some companies, when they have to hexane extract, they, that process changes the natural ratio. And so that's why some companies have to go on and reapply the, the, the tail end of the triglyceride, uh, or to make it a triglyceride, um, for, for fish oils. Uh, but what we're doing is we keep that naturally intact. We don't have to change it. And so our product ends up being a thousand milligrams DHA to 10 milligrams EPA. So that's about a hundred to one. And what they found in the body, and you can look this up even on PubMed, one one source that I found was the natural ratio of us humans in the nervous system is about 250 to 300 to 1 in terms of DHA to EPA. Oh, okay. wow. Yeah, yeah. And so what's happened is with all these studies, you know, people might come back and say, well, there's a study on saying EPA is like better for the brain because of this and that. It's not that those studies are wrong. Like that's that's good information. It's just simply that those studies have been set up in a way to validate the um, unnatural processing that takes place within fish oils. So it's basically a marketing statement of, okay, because the fish oils have, or let's say one particular product has an abundance of EPA because they have to because of the way that it was processed, they have to then create a study to validate, okay, why is it more important to have EPA? And so then they can do that through language manipulation and things like that. And I'm not saying all of this is like dark and manipulative and malicious. I think there's some parts to that, but mostly it's, you know, people are wanting to help people and animals, but people also have a bottom line to meet. Of course. And language gets changed. So what we're doing is we're offering a pure, clean, original source, water extracted, uh, we have several different fatty acids in there. So it's not just DHA and EPA, several others. We show our COA on heavy metal testing, microbial testing, the, the whole list That's of the huge. compounds in there. Yeah. And like, if you, if you think about it, most companies with fish oil or algae oil aren't really showing that sort of stuff. I know that some are, but what we're showing exactly, no one's showing those three things specifically. And it's, you know, just something that we want to put out there, let people make the choice for themselves, particularly for mothers and children. You know, you don't want to be contaminating them with heavy metals or pesticides that are commonly found in fish and fish oil. Some depends on the source. So we want to just have a clean solution for people 
for athletes, for your everyday person, for mothers, children, pets, even elderly, elderly, elderly. It's just everyone can benefit because we, we need it as humans. We literally need it. And so when we give our bodies it, it recognizes and responds. And this is where you're saying that it can actually be felt by those who take it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one thing that we do with our company and our products on the reviews that we have on our website, there's a lot of companies out there that will buy fake reviews. And this goes for any any industry. Any industry. Uh, yeah. Instagram, yeah. fake followers. Yeah. I mean, it's the world right exactly. now. Exactly. So, you know, we've had the opportunity to do that many times. I've said no every single time. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to. But the point is you can read through the reviews on the algae oil and you can see they're all real people giving their results. And like you really can feel it both short term and long term. That's awesome. I can't wait to try, Lance. Now, I do have a question for you. You know how some of the traditional omega-3s, I have actually witnessed this that sometimes, you know, sometimes they tell you to take like six capsules, you know, and... um I have actually witnessed individuals who have issues with absorbing fat, people who don't have a gallbladder, um, feeling nauseous and sick um, when they have to take that many omegas. Explain, like, with this algae, is it any different? Is it still the same fat? Like, how does it work? Yeah, it's still the same fat. Um, You know, one thing that can happen is that i mean you know with with our product you can dose it very minutely if you wish or or you know take a lot of it okay because we've got a dropper and it's a graduated dropper that shows the mls so a person could start off very small if they didn't have a gallbladder or if they were very sensitive to it um you know i'm never going to say never but one thing with these omega-3s is that in general, it's not going to cause any sort of negative reaction or uh, any sort of uh, negative response because the body is designed to incorporate these fatty acids. It needs it. It knows exactly how to process it and what to do with it once it's ingested that, you know, these things really can help a lot of people in a lot of ways without any side effects, which is, you know, everyone's different, so I'm not going to guarantee it, but that's really how the physiology of the body is set up to where, you know, it's not like that for, let's say, an herb or, you know, something that isn't necessarily um, hardwired into us for daily consumption. Right. But but we can, of course, benefit from. Essential, as in the term essential, right? Yeah, essential. Exactly. <laughs> Meaning our body must have it and it can't produce it on its own. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I think that this has been a really good conversation. Did I did I leave anything out? Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, no, I think that really was everything, Sandy. This was a great conversation. And, you know, just how these different things all play together really is important. And it's not just one thing, never just one supplement, another never just one exercise. Uh it's the combination of things and it really does begin with us and the power of choice. We have the choice, what we put in our body, how we respond to things, how we choose to create our lives. Um, 
you know, I do realize there's things be out, out there beyond us. And at the same time, I believe firmly that we are very powerful creators and that we can create the lives in the world that we wish with our choices. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. And, you know, as it relates to our, our aging brains, there's a lot of many and I, you know, people will say to me, oh my God, how do you remember to do all this? <laughs> right? Because, but then when you start forming these habits, they become just that. They're habits. You know, I know to take my omegas every day. I know to move my body every day. And it just kind of happens naturally when you develop that sort of a lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming today. I really loved our chat, Lance. Thank you, Sandy. This was amazing. Join me next week where I cover off more exciting topics. I hope to continue to engage you and excite you and show you that living in your 40s, 50s, and beyond can be exciting, balanced, and helpful. Bye for now.